from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report, where we count down the top 10 topics of the week that make us go wow. 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 I'm co-founder of World of Wonders, Fenton Bailey, joined by uh, James St. James, Woo! editor of the Wow Report, and, of course, World of Wonders Chief Creative Officer, Tom Cavanaugh. Howdy. <laughs> I'm very excited about our number one this week. All will be a special guest as number one. Someone's going to be actually in our cyber off space here. I, I know, right? It's awesome. Um, but you're just going to have to wait and see who that is. In the meantime, we're going to start at number 10. Number 10. It's less that I'm bringing you a story and more that I need to pick you guys' brains. Just about this whole, is Twitter dead? Have you, have you unsubscribed from Twitter yet? What's Twitter's fate? Because we talked about this briefly a couple of weeks ago when I thought that Elon Musk was just bluffing, was just making headlines by saying he was going to buy Twitter. I never thought it would happen. It is happening. And is it for better or for worse? And, and, and I love seeing celebrities who are like, so-and-so left Twitter. It's like, does that really count? I don't know. Well, but is he really, is it going to happen? Because this week there have been some back and forth that I don't know if you saw today that the stock of Tesla went down, 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 making his uh, ability to actually go through with the, the, the purchase suspect. It might not happen. Um, you also, people have been saying that there has been a big uptick in um, uh, for all the lefties who are leaving, the right wing are jumping on, calling him a hero, saying that he is, you know, and there's a weird tonal shift that's happening on Twitter a little bit. I'm, I'm on Twitter a lot. Luckily, my the people that I follow, my algorithm does not get into all of that Trumpian political stuff. I don't follow a lot of politics. Right. But in my, my Twitter, the, the people who follow me are all very wonderful people, and it's always very upbeat. So I don't see a lot of it on my Twitter feed, but I do, I do hear rumblings. What is the great thing about Twitter? I have to well, ask. Benton, it's, it's weird to me that you don't understand it because you are at heart a wordsmith, and you are somebody who loves, who loves a, a good turn of phrase, who loves a, a bit of a, a factoids, interesting little factoids being thrown at you all the time. And that's what Twitter is. And Twitter is – someone told me recently, they, they tweeted that in the movie Party Monster – the character of Seth Green says, if only I could publish a sentence, if I could just if, if instead of writing a book, if I could just publish sentences one at a time. And that's what Twitter is. You're Twitter so is prescient. The, you invented Twitter. I did. I did. I it is. It is. If you have a funny thought, you can just you don't have to write a whole article around it. You can just put that out there and people will appreciate it or not appreciate it. Well, and I also did to your horn. Um, your book came up in the other big story of the week's trial, well, trial twice, Amber Heard. Twice Johnny Depp and Amber uh, mentioned it two different times and my Twitter blew up. I'll tell you what, boy. Woo! <laughs> but what Was about it nothing to do with revenge pooping, did it? <laughs> I have more on that subject later in the show. <laughs> okay, good. I just, I, I guess we still, there's more to be revealed, but, you know, Elon Musk is a, is a nut, 
all these billionaires, which is a whole other topic, you know, going into space and spending their money on very ego-driven things seems weird. But I'm wondering, will Twitter be any worse in Elon Musk's hands as it is now in other people's hands? I I think it's going to turn more into what Facebook is, frankly. I think Facebook is sort of a cesspool for all sorts of conspiracy theories. Facebook is a cesspool in a way that Twitter is not a toxic dump. Yeah, yeah, it really is because in Facebook you cannot escape it, whereas Twitter, it depends upon your algorithm and it really does. I... um. Facebook is what is evil. Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg is evil and is a propagator of the right wing and, and held up Donald Trump in a way that, that he should not have been but held if, up. If, if Dorsey if, from if, Twitter is not that person. If Elon is, Musk brings Trump back to Twitter. Well, that's what I'm saying. Elon Musk, well, Tom put, put the nail on the head right there, nailed the head on the head, whatever he did. Head he said, nailed. Should these what have billionaires you? be in charge of the way so uh, the way people can communicate but this billionaire has has changed our lives with electric cars with the mission to mars with the yeah, well, starlink satellite yes and no but he could take 44 billion dollars and feed the world i mean it, it is theoretically possible to take 44 billion dollars and do something really good as opposed to giving donald trump his voice back on social media i mean it, it just <clears throat> is i mean there's there, there's no two ways around that all right. Well, let's call this Twitter storm. Yes. And I do think that there is room for a new upstart Twitter called maybe Wouter or something. Something we can do. Oh, something we can do. Am I hearing truth social? Is that what I... I say we all go back to MySpace is what I want to do. Oh, right. Let me just, just put into the comments. Instead of Twitter, we should call it Twitter instead of our own. <laughs> okay, thank you. All right, let's um, move on. To be continued, I'm sure. Number nine, James. Number nine. Well, we're continuing it right now because I uh, had a a little Twitter incident happen to me this week where I was put in Twitter jail for 12 hours for threatening the life of the author, Susan Orleans, who wrote the book uh, White Oleander. Now, let's be clear. I did not threaten Susan Orleans. I didn't. It was a mistake. Susan Orleans had tweeted that she was writing something and she had come across a factoid that was really interesting, but had absolutely nothing to do with what she was talking about. And so she thought, she asked everybody, should I try and shoehorn it in to the story or should I take it out and, you know, for the sake of, um, uh, uh, of interest? And I tweeted back to her and I said something that many writers and teachers of writing often say, and it goes back to a quote from William Faulkner and Ernest Hemingway who quoted it saying, kill your darlings, kill your darlings, kill your darlings. (laughs) And that means that if you're writing something and you think that what you've written is very clever and very funny, take it out because it's calling attention to the writing and to the author as opposed to doing service to what it is that you're trying to say. And so if you if you write something very clever, edit it out. Kill your darling. Kill your darlings. Kill your darlings. Well, Twitter thought that I was trying. I was saying I was going to kill Susan Orleans. And they put me, they, they took me off. They, I, was, um, I was not allowed to log on to Twitter for 12 hours until they went to, I went to Twitter court. And I kept saying, no, this is, I kept saying, no, I'm not trying threatening Susan. I'm saying, I'm just quoting William Faulkner. Well, they didn't believe me. 12 hours later, I'm still trying to log on. And I finally had to delete the tweet and apologize to Susan before they let me back on. Now, Susan Orleander, I'll just clarify, not White Oleander. I think it's The Orchid Thief, right? Isn't that the book she wrote? The Orchid Thief? 
Might maybe I think I, so. I and the, the library book, the library book, all about she's books. She's a very and famous libraries. author, and she's, she she's a lot of fun on Twitter. She's someone who's an author that I follow, and she, I really enjoy her and her give and take with her fans. Is okay, very fun. James, you're you're you were in Twitter jail for a total of like twelve hours. You said yes. How many times in the twelve hours did you try to log back on? literally every five minutes I was trying and I they said if you feel that you are here in 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 you know you didn't do anything wrong you can tell your story here I did that about 20 times kept saying William S. Faulkner William S. Faulkner Hemingway it goes back to the 17th century but well, in the future that email will go directly to Elon Musk who will take a long time to get to it as his inbox just fills up with complaints Anyway, so I just wanted to get to share my little Twitter right. jail story. Okay. Well, you're not in jail here. There. How's that? <laughs> All right. Well, number uh, yeah. eight. Number eight. Is also a Twitter-related story. So funny, isn't it? It's Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. Blake, <laughs> thank you, alerted to the story. You know, um, what's that movie that was based on the Twitter storm? Zola. Thank you. One of the most amazing movies of our time, Zola. Well, I think this Twitter storm or Twitter thread or whatever you want to call it could also be a movie. And it's about a killer microwave. So this guy, this guy, Lucas Rizzotto, R-I-Z-Z-O-T-T-O, he is kind of like a tech guy. And he decided there was some sort of AI platform became available or software. And he decided to outfit his microwave with artificial intelligence. Because growing up as a kid, he had an imaginary friend, and the imaginary friend was his microwave. And to the amusement of his entire family, he would talk to his microwave and tell it all his secrets. And the imaginary friend he created with the microwave was someone called Magnetron, born in 1895, an English gentleman who served in World War I, Okay, I mean, a whole story. So what he did is he gets the microwave, puts the AI thing in it, and then writes a 100-page book of all his interactions with his imaginary friend so that he's basically creating the brain of the microwave. And then he turned it on. And it worked, and they would converse. And, of course, the microwave knew all these things about him as a child, Lucas, because he had created this manual and all these interactions with his friend. And he said it was great until one day the, the, the microwave wrote him a poem. Roses are red, violets are blue. You're a backstabbing bitch and I will kill you. All I want from my microwave is some popcorn late at night. That's all I ask. You better be careful because it gets worse. The Wait, microwave, a few is, days later. Hold on. Is this a case of the AI is continuing to learn and grow and take on its own personality? Is well, that what's it could happening? Be. It could be because he said that he did acknowledge that 10% of the memories of his training data detailed his friend's time in World War One. So that was sort of traumatic. So he's wondering if he gave the AI PTSD, mm. perhaps. But then a few days later, the microwave said, asked him to enter the microwave. To, to, to burn him up. To go in and, and playing along, he pretended to, he opened the door and said, okay, I'm in the microwave. And the microwave turned itself on. 
to kill him. So he was a little taken aback. And he asked the microwave, he said, why would you do that? And the microwave said, because I wanted to hurt you the same way you hurt me. I think the lesson here is that AI is still something we don't really fully understand. And I don't know that we need to, I think we need to take a a step back before we take step forwards with it. (laughs) I feel like I fell asleep with the TV on and this is almost making sense. (laughs) And this guy created this like entire huge, like it looked like a, a blockbuster movie YouTube, right, Benton? No. I mean, my God, this is going to be, this will be an amazing movie. I mean, like, run to the phone and option the rights, because... And he's asking for donations from his, like, to keep doing these big budget YouTubes, but... Right. And and he came to the conclusion that the, the reason a microwave wanted to kill him is because he last interacted with his imaginary friend, Magnetron, some 20 years ago when he was still a kid. So he left him and, alone this whole time. Right. So symptoms. the microwave thinks he has been brooding. Yeah, he's yes. been brooding this whole time. Well, and he, because of all the, the World War I memories yeah. of killing people and killing and killing and killing, right. and that's what you do. That's what's sort of baked into the personality of the, of the microwave. So he tried to explain all that, James, and say, look, you know, I didn't want to kill you. I grew up and blah, blah, blah. In the end, he just had to turn it off. We come back to 2001 Space Odyssey all the time and to, you know, the um, uh, Battlestar Galactica and Mm. all that stuff. But it is true that these are things that we don't yet have a handle on. If neglected electronics are hazard to your health, then I'm for sure going to be killed in my sleep by the elliptical in my den. Because I haven't touched it in months. <laughs> it's gonna come also for you. The, the plot of of the of the little toaster or something, or uh, we why are humans? Oh yes, why are humans on what was on plus? Hey, while I'm plugging things, let me plug House of Love cocktails mocktails um, at houseoflovecocktails.com. You can pre-order now, and you also get with that thirty days of our all access pass, which is like sneak peeks of what's on wow presents plus yes curated well, I'm drag still waiting content. for my delivery i have not yet gotten my delivery of cocktails yet. we're in pre-order I mean, we are in pre-order okay right. I, they I, ship I, on I, may 19th the order now be the first on your block yeah. to have a house over cocktail or mocktail they're delicious james, by the way delicious. roses are red violets are blue james <laughs> <laughs> Your House of Luck cocktails are on the way, sweetie. All right. Okay, and then okay. delish. We'll be right back after the break. Blake, do you have a question? I do. Um, what show aired the first female female kiss? And what show aired the first male male kiss? And what year? Oh, I love this question. All right, we'll be right back after the break with the double answer, right? Two answers, two questions, two answers. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. You're listening to Wow Report on Radio Andy. Welcome back. I'm Fenton here with James St. James and Tom Campbell and Blake Jacobs. Yeah, and I asked, what show aired the first female-female kiss and in what year? And then same question for the first male-male kiss. Female-female kiss was on Roseanne. And it was 1992. 
82? Right. 92. Nope, that's 92. not it. Well, okay. Well, I was going to say, um, was it the, on Friends when Winona Ryder and Rachel kissed? Nope. Mm-mm. Okay. Was it Ellen? No. Was it was it Ellen? Uh-uh. It was on L.A. Law. It was Michelle Green and Amanda Donahoe in 1991. I remember that. They're okay. bringing that show back. Male, guy... male kiss was Dynasty, right? With Stephen Carrington. No, because and... the camera would always go away just as they leaned in together. They uh-huh. never actually kissed. Not uh-huh. him. I was going to say it was when um, Will and Jack kissed in front of the Today Show. That's what I thought, too, but that's not it. No. When is it? What is it? It is Kerr Smith and Adam Kaufman on Dawson's Creek, and it was 10 years Mm -hmm. after in 2001. Okay. All right. We're counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow, and we've reached number seven. Number seven. I did something I haven't done before in my entire life for the very first time, and I want to share it with you and all our listeners. What what could it be? (laughs) I watched the Stars Network, Stars with a Z. I tend to avoid any network with a Z in it. I don't know why. I don't trust it. I feel like it's cheap. I feel like it's a 900 number. But Stars has some really quality programming. I've read about it, Outlander, things of that nature. But I tuned in. I got sucked in to watch star names, Julia Roberts. Sean Penn in Gaslit, which is the Martha Mitchell story. The mouth oh. of the South. I love her to death. Is there, does she do her justice? Because Martha Mitchell is one of those icons of the ages. I remember Martha Mitchell. I was I was alive at 10 years old and paying attention to Watergate. My whole house was paying attention. But I do remember more pictures of her like, ah. now, Julia <laughs> Roberts. I mean, very talented Academy Award-winning actress I respect deeply also has a big mouth. So perfect casting, right? I, th- I think she, she's getting good reviews for her portrayal. The, the show's like, eh. But I always imagine Martha Mitchell being bigger and louder. And I, th- I think Julia's playing her a little bit softer because she wants her to be appreciated and understood. Because it's based on a, a podcast about Watergate that was very popular a year ago or two years ago. We now, talked about it here on the show. There you go. And and Sean Penn, who's kind of wackadoodle now, he and Madonna should get back together. He <laughs> is doing that thing. He's not the first one to do this, but he's in total prosthetics. And I come out Carol in Batman. Yes. Yes. And and normally I don't even think about that. I just go for it. But there's some reason that I went, I knew he was what he was playing, but it's it could be anybody. Yeah. It, it's like the perfect COVID cover. It's like who came to work today? Who cares? Because and they're supposed to be kissing and being romantic. And I'm thinking Julia Roberts is like licking like a, a rubber cactus. You know, it's like, it's a very odd thing, which takes me out of it a bit. Um, mm-hmm. And what's his name from Downton Abbey? Dan. Dan Stevens. Dan Stevens. Yes, he is oh. handsome. Dan Stevens plays John Dean. And I remember watching with over my parents' shoulders, the Watergate trial way back when. And I thought John Dean was kind of hot. And he also had a wife who had just bleach blonde hair. And it's about their story. So it, it, it goes between that and Holderman. And it's not, it doesn't hold together. It doesn't hold my imagination. I'm going to try and watch another one. Also, my good friend Busby, who I've known for a thousand years, who she's hearing this, she's so angry at me. But she just took over as the president of Stars, which is why I'm watching it now and talking about Stars whenever I can. Um, did you guys see it or hear about it? or? 
Well, Martha was the one who was, she was the whistleblower, right? And they, yes. they uh, my, I, I, they locked her up, didn't they? Or, the, or they said that she was an old drunk or something, right? What Fascinating story. She was the Southern, Southern, you know, debutante, but, you know, woman who'd been around. And she but was a press whore, you know, like a, like a press whore, like Sylvia Miles press whore. Like, yes. Like, God and she her, would do, love. to tell the truth, and she would do game shows, and she would talk to Mike Douglas. And during and she would come uh, outside of her building, she would come outside of her apartment building in these fabulous outfits and say, "Hello, boys, what do you want to know today?" And yes. she would just like hold forth, like in a way that is just old school fabulous. And during Watergate, she would call reporters at night and tell them what was really drunk happening. out of her mind. Just and she was. <laughs> She had been drinking with James and then she'd get on the phone. Um, but she, um, and, you know, everyone thought for a while too, she might've been deep throat, but she was very publicized in the papers and she was telling the truth about Watergate before anybody else was. And there was an incident, um, lit, I, where her husband was responsible and they haven't dramatized this yet, where they actually kidnapped her, drugged her and kidnapped her for a while to keep her from talking. So it's it's a fascinating story. The thing is, it's layered in with a bunch of other stories. Watergate, Watergate's fascinating. It, it doesn't quite all come together. Like I said, I'm going to try to get another shot. And I really thought it was, I don't know. I think I was thinking it was going to be like, she's going to have that accent from, um, from Stenolius. Yeah, I just drink, thought it was going to be that juice. Kind of, Yeah, drink your juice. Shelby, drink your juice, Shelby. I thought it was going to be like that. And it's not. And I'm, she's probably more accurate than I am. But I wanted a show where Julie Roberts sounds like this. <laughs> well, you know, I have I have a very rare number seven trivia question. What do I and Martha Mitchell have in common? Well, we aren't there yet, so we're no, gonna we have are. to. You we're were both you them. were both drugged and kidnapped, and you liked it. We're both born in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, so oh. maybe that's why she sounds like me. I don't know. Well, okay. you should call Julia Roberts and see if it's too late. If she could do some some voiceover work and add your accent to her character, in, maybe you are uh, her yeah. reincarnated. Because I think she's—I'm assuming she's no longer with us. No, she and passed away is... in 1976. Yeah, she died of cancer. It was very too young. Here's the really the really um, picky thing. Gaslit as a title feels so not 1973. Yeah. It was made you know I mean? by the woke mob mentality. Yes, but it, it would be crafted in a in a room full of people saying, "How do we get the kids on board?" It would be yeah. perfect if it was just her story, like. But it sounds like yeah. this is the whole Watergate story. Exactly. I think if it had been just Julia Roberts and just that story, and we had told it in a in a it's a mini series, they told it in a briefer time. Yeah. It, it could be great. Maybe I'll just watch it that way. Maybe I'll flip ahead. Gaslit is streaming on Stars number six, James. Number six. Uh, I went to go see The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, starring Nicolas Cage. Oh, oh, oh tell me about it. So much about it is so funny, so original, so creative. Everything the critics are saying about it is absolutely true. I am not a huge, I mean, I understand Nicolas Cage. I understand the cult of Nicolas Cage. I get it. I haven't really seen anything since Valley Girl or Moonstruck. It's been a while, but I understand people love him. The, in this, he plays the actor Nicolas Cage, who needs a hit very desperately. He's in debt. And to that end, he agrees to like a meet and greet at, at a millionaire's birthday party. 
okay? And who's going to pay him a million dollars to show up at the birthday party in, like, Greece or something. And that is Pedro Pascal of Game of Thrones and The Mandalorian and uh, Narco, I guess. he was. Re- he's, a very fi- he's a really cute, cute actor. Cutie patootie, little Pedro Pascal. And the two of them meet, and there's, like, a young Nicolas Cage who is always shouting at the old Nicolas Cage, and it's done with CGI. And it is very meta in a way that, like, being John Malkovich was – and it is absolutely hysterical. Um, uh, Tiffany Haddish is a CIA operative who lures t- Nicolas Cage into some, you know, shenanigans. And there is never a dull moment. It is absolutely hysterical and absolutely funny. And I can't gush about it enough. But I have to tell you what happened beforehand because I was at the Grove to see it with my sister. And who do I run into but Fenton Bailey with his sons, Elliot and Nolan. Now, I have a condition, a medical condition, known as violent oversized elbows. And when I went to go give Nolan a hug, I accidentally whopped Elliot in the head and the tears started flowing and the screams of agony started and he was crying and Ray trying to get away from me like I and everybody in the store turned like I was beating this child and just like that I am never invited to a Bailey family Christmas I have traumatized James this should be a tweet storm and we'll turn it into a movie (laughs) but um Actually, he woke up the other day with his neck like hurting. And he's oh, like, no. we, didn't, we didn't send him to school yesterday because his neck was hurting so much. So no, I, think- I literally just it, like literally my my just tapped him like I didn't. I swear Dang. to God, he's gonna fail his SAT ultimately because of this no. incident. His learning stopped here. Oh, but. No. Uh, I do want to do this as a genre. I love this genre because there's also a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, right? In which Jean-Claude Van Damme plays himself. Isn't that the ultimate accolade to play yourself in a movie about yourself? Like where, other, where you others? get to go so over the top and make fun of, uh, of you know, because people always make fun of how theatrical and, you know, I, you know uh, how, what a madman he is. And he gets to play that and he gets to take it to the 10th degree. Well, what is the appeal of Nicolas Cage? What is the magic? Like what in, in a few words, like what is it? Well, he is a madman. He is complete. You never know where he's going to go. If you give him a line, you just he's going to riff and he's going to go in a hundred different directions. And there's a very funny scene where he's trying to get a part in a in a movie, and he goes to the Chateau Marmont and and gets the director of it, and he pushes him up against the car, and he says, "Listen, I'm going to do it for you right now." And he just starts doing this crazy monologue for the guy, and the guy is just terrified of him, sort of like how Elliot was terrified of me, and so. But that the appeal is is that you just never know what you're going to get with a Nicolas Cage, you know, role. I thought oh, that was James Jeff Goldblum. I thought he was that. That's that's the movie. I want to write a Jeff Goldblum movie with Jeff Goldblum. They're, they're very similar in that, yes, in the sort of bombastic, crazed madmen. And on the next show, we'll tell you James GoFundMe uh, to raise money for for presents that he could buy Elliot to try to win Elliot's heart back. Well, the Elliot is going to sue me for you know, <laughs> everything that I own. <laughs> All right, let's move on. The unbearable weight of massive talent theaters now. Number five. Number five. Do you know, last night, it was 25 years ago since this happened? It's a trivia um, question of sorts. I want to make a cheap sex joke, but I won't. But I won't. <laughs> the last time you had sex? <laughs> kind of. I mean... It, the puppy episode. 
the Ellen DeGeneres coming mm. out puppy episode ad. I completely discovered this by chance, and I stumbled upon a video Ellen made for the 20th anniversary of the puppy episode. I watched it just like, here's five minutes. I was in tears. Like, I was completely transported back to that time when it was a big deal. And it's so hard to remember. It's so easy to forget, right? You're giving me goosebumps thinking about it because it is part of that thing. Like we talk about, you know, with all of the criticism Ellen gets today, it's like, it's hard for somebody who lived through that not to be so appreciative of that moment and the bravery that went into that coming out. Right. It wasn't that long. I mean, it was a long time ago, but you know. She said that, you know, I because I was, I never really knew why they called it the puppy episode. Do you know why? Because uh, the executive said, get her a puppy. She's not coming out, right? Yeah. Because. Yeah. And so um, they called it the puppy episode so that nobody would know ex- what it was that was going to happen that episode. And kind of to stick it to that executive. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Justly yeah. so. I wonder who it was. Um, 42 million people tuned in. That's a lot of people. I watched so, it live. Yeah. Uh, Laura Dunn, who was in it received death threats um oprah oprah said she's never gotten more negative hate mail in her life than in any other thing she's ever done um (laughs) and and ellen said they should have called it how to throw away your career episode because right after you know the ratings began to slide abc put a parental advisory before each episode um wow well, to wow. be fair, though, the, the show itself was wildly uneven. And every every year, every season was very different than the season before. And they kept throwing everything in the kitchen t- you know, sink at the, at the wall to see what would stick. And some, they would bring in new characters. And it was really uneven. But the first couple of seasons are really spectacular. But I feel like so many gay moments, you know, moments of, of gay liberation or of expression happen in that way where it's like a crack in the sidewalk and a tree grows. You know what I'm saying? Because it wasn't the greatest sitcom. It didn't, before and after, it didn't make a big difference. But because of all the circumstances, because of that, they were able to make that episode and the cover of Time Magazine and, yep, I'm gay, which I saw Ellen say, I saw her post that and say, I I don't remember saying yep. But, she is um, so funny too. She really is hilarious, and yeah. I know she's been through a bit of a thing, you know, in the recent woke cancellation thing. But she's funny, and she did a great thing. Um, and we made a documentary about it in a self-serving way. So we'll post that on the Wire Report called "The Real Ellen Story," featuring uh, I think it includes a lovely scene of Ellen and Anne Hayes in bed together. Which is really juicy. And you were in high school. This is a high school project, Fenton. You were very young when you did it, correct? No, I'm afraid not. I was rather old at the time, and I'm older still. Let's take a break. Um, more queens of RuPaul's Drag Race, All Stars 7, right now on the Wow Report. Uh, episodes 1, 2, 3 of All Stars 7 premieres on Paramount Plus and Wow Presents Plus internationally on May 20th. Wow. Mm-hmm. Excited for that. Blake, have you got a question? I do. Um, this one's kind of for James. It's about gay shows still. What show featured the first openly gay teenager? Oh, James. You're listening to the Wow Report on Radio Andy. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. Fenton here with Tom and James and Blake. And I asked a question. Um, what 
show featured the first openly gay teenager. And James I, should know this. I I mean, it, it couldn't be Buffy. Is it Buffy? With Allison no. Hannigan? No? Okay. What about that wolf, teen wolf thing? That no. Was, no. James at 15. Just because of your saying James a lot. Now it was Ron oh. Philippe as Billy oh. Douglas oh, on One, One Life, Life to Live, live. in yes. 1993. Yes, that and was, he was so cute. Yes, that was, James, that was James's question for sure. I do remember that, and it got it, One Life to Live got a lot of flack for that too. Yeah, is that the one with satanic possession? No, that yeah. stays of our lives. That's um, the one that, that I watch right now. We've said this before, but daytime television is sometimes been on the forefront of social issues mm-hmm. that primetime didn't even touch for years. Do you know that is so true? And I'll double that and say that unscripted has also broken the boundaries first before scripted comes in and takes all the awards, all the praise, all the red carpets. But actually, it's daytime and unscripted that do the heavy lifting. Amen. Erica Kane had the first abortion on television in 1972. Mm-hmm. And then later, she was unaborted when the abortion turned up alive as a 30-year-old man in nineteen in 2005. That feels wrong. Like I know. It was such a groundbreaking story. And then all of a sudden, it turns out that he had been uh, you know, aborted. And then a crazy so doctor I... came along and, and brought him back to life. And he grew up it in... It sounds a... like the... Artificial intelligence microwave or something. Yeah. That's not right. I would say I would normally say that's so off topic, but this is the Wow Report, so I'm following every word. Yeah. And they were the first to, you know, have characters who had been in the Vietnam War and also. I mean, there's just so many things. Yeah. And you know. and the first to have satanic possession. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, they weren't, but um. all right, we're counting down top two things a minute ago. Wow, we've reached number four. Number four. You guys, I did something I haven't ever done y- yesterday. I want to tell you all about it. I want to share it with our listeners. Okay, tell. I went to three weddings and a funeral. And by that, I mean, I binge watched on E. That's the part I haven't done in a long time. Paris, Paris Hilton's wedding, Paris in Love, mm-hmm. which had already aired on, on Peacock. And, you know, I, I'm, I, I stream now. I watch Turner Classic movies. I occasionally, you know, relax to QVC. So I, I find every other channel is just like nothing happening that I want to see. And I watched E and there was something, I wanted to stay cynical. I wanted to make fun, but ultimately Paris wins you over. Yeah. And I, it even makes me question, and this is all about me, not her, like heterosexual ceremonies. And she has three weddings, right? She has the real wedding. She has a neon wedding. And then she has a friend wedding. Um, and the funeral to me is is E and pop culture. Like it's the end of an era. At her actual wedding is Nicole, uh, Nicole uh, Richie, yeah. uh, Kim Kardashian, Paula Abdul, Faye Resnick. Uh, 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 Zoe, the the what's the the stylist lady? Oh, Rachel Zoe. Rachel Zoe. Yes. And it was just, it was everybody that defined the last 20 years. It reminded me, I I snuck into um, the engagement party of Liza Minnelli when she married David Guest years and years years ago. And her bridesmaids were Ann Miller (laughs) and the diving swimming thing. And it was just like, this is anachronism. And I thought like this sort of speaks to the end, like Paris is no longer a party girl. She's married. All these people are legitimate, you know, 
mothers and society. Uh, the star of the whole thing is the mother, Kathy Hilton, who had the best work done her last round. I don't say that in a mean way because it's flawless. You can't. I only know because she is. She's frozen in time. She's incredible. But so this um, is a three-part miniseries. Is that right? It was at least that. Yes, I watched. I watched a bunch of hours of it. Yes, <laughs> and. She got married recently, did she? She got married, got about married in November. In November. Yeah. Did and she marry the boyfriend that's in the YouTube documentary? Carter Room, yes. Yes, thank you. Yes, and, um, just a cutie patootie. He is a cutie, but then it's like straight guys expressing themselves. And some of it's the, you know, the, she hadn't written her, her vows until the last minute. And that was, you know, the reality TV tension thing. But then he's just like constantly, and she's all Mike. He's like, I love you. I love you so much. And I'm just so cynical and alone with cats that I just can't imagine. Because I always think, like, I Fenton, you've been married. Do you have to be drunk to be married? Are you in an altered state when you're married? Like, do you believe you're going to love that person forever? Like, help me through the Well, open. to her, I mean, bless her heart, Paris has definitely earned this because she has been engaged more times than Zsa Gabor. I mean, she has literally... I mean, I can, I, off the top of my head, I can imagine, I can say 12 or 13 men that she's been engaged to, including Paris Latsis. Remember when it was Paris and Paris? Yes. And Stavros Niarchos and uh, River Vitur, River Vipari. I mean, she's been, it, just, it goes on and on. So I think she deserves happiness. And God bless her. We want to love, we love Paris. Absolutely. I ended up crying. Like, like it all happened. But, you know, it's a reality show, you, so you can't help but pick it apart and look at this yes. and you know they're, they're they're doing the food tasting like a week before it's like i think you do that a little bit before a week you know it's always the ticking clock thing so this is her first wedding huh yes yeah, yeah. At 40 wow. yeah and, and, and I do 40 think- is it's crazy because i remember the life of magazine elizabeth taylor at 40 and that was like shocking and now paris hilton is 40 it's just that's crazy. what i'm trying to say badly is that it's an end of an era in, in the most interesting way and everybody was there like her friends and this is the other thing that these made- are the ann millers and the the ethel mermans of our generation yes, yes. and and yeah. the notion and they're all society women now they're all respectable you know they used to show they used to no but they used to god help society Used to see their their naked, you know what's, and now yeah. they're all mothers. That yeah, all began with sex porn tapes for sure. Celebrity yeah. sex. Tapes. I do. I do just want to say that that mm-hmm. Oscar de la Renta dress that she wore at the main wedding for the uh, the stars is just it's a stunner, boy. She wow. looks gorgeous. And she just when I again want to be snarky, she had um, she is a true LGBTQ advocate. Paris, like seamlessly, mm-hmm. breathlessly at her wedding, Kim Petrus. Uh, entertained that she sang during this. She sang um, "Why Why Do Fools Fall in Love" by Elvis as as the walking down the aisle. But before that, what's Paris's hit song, Blake? Oh, "Stars Are Blind." Stars are blind. She Love sings it. "Stars Are Blind" to the people waiting for Paris, who's an hour and a half late. Um, and it's such a beautiful meta moment. And then Demi Lovato um, sings uh, "I'll Always Love You," and it's just like there was just so many beautiful people together and you know they always say that you know you get the celebrities you deserve well those were the so that that was an era that 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 is you know lives on and on in in paris's wedding album well congratulations paris and and may you live happily ever after um number three james number three well i'm gonna take over what tom's usual spot here and i'm gonna do a rest in power uh this week that um we lost uh, photographer Marcus Leatherdale, 
who uh, was a just a beautiful, beautiful human being and beloved by so many people. He uh, was a longtime friend. I'd known him for 35 years. Uh, he was a protege and lover of Robert Maplethorpe. He, uh, his style was very sort of loosely based on Maplethorpe, a continuation of also a little bit of um, Joel Rifkin. He, had, he sort of had a, a love of the grotesque, like photographer Joel Rifkin, I think. Um, he, uh, people in the eighties knew him. He was a photographer for details magazine. He did hidden identities every month, just like a beautiful, beautiful person. He and his wife, Claudia and the fur designer, Larissa were a trio on the scene in New York for 30 years. And they were just the most glamorous threesome you've ever seen. They were a throuple. Well, we don't really know. We don't. We. I mean, who who knows what 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 went on? But, but they presented publicly as 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 a as yeah. A, well, he, Marcus yeah. was married to Claudia, his longtime uh, wife, and and uh, who knows? But Marcus was also um, gay and uh, or bisexual. Who I. We don't know these things. We, we, right. we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. But he was married to Claudia, and he and Larissa and Marcus, they provided a united front on the social scene together. Um, recently, he'd been suffering from depression. Uh, he had lost his lover, Jorge. And then in short order, he lost his mother and his dog. And it was like one after the other, and it, it put him into a deep depression. And it's just was really sad and unexpected. And, um, you know, just rest in power, Marcus Leatherdale, just mm. really just a beautiful, beautiful. And it was one of those things where instantly, as as it happened, I was getting, you know, texts from Trace Beagle and from Diane Brill and from, you know, like everybody was just, you know, Ernie Glam. I mean, people who haven't, you know, people I haven't spoken to in 20 years, everybody was just instantly connected with everybody else. And it was just it was one of those things that it brought everybody together in a very sad way, but it just reminds you how we just all have to hug our friends while they're around, you know? Mm. You, you said he was a very beautiful person, but he was also physically stunning. Just, just, I yeah. mean, just yeah, James Dean like sort of like, <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Unbelievably gorgeous to look at. Yeah. Just, I mean, yeah. Beautiful inside and out, very spiritual. And um, like I said, he had spent his last years going between India and Portugal and Toronto and he did had um, a lot of f- photographs of like s- s- holy ceremonies in India, mm. and that was sort of where his art was taking him at mm. the time. And he was living in India, I believe, at the time. I'm not sure. Rest in perfection, Marcus Leatherdale. Yeah. Uh, number two. Number two. Hmm. This is a hard segue. Um, there's a poop pill. Not As only World of Wonder can do. It's not revenge pooping. It's a poop bill. Um, it's called Nella. And basically, they thought people have found out that if they take this pill, they can work out for like 20% longer and they have 20% more energy. And it's called Nella, which is a strange name, I think, for a pill. And um, it contains bacteria harvested from the poop of high-performing athletes. Because the the theory is that your microbiome is the thing that most determines, for for example, 95% of the body's serotonin, which is the drug that makes you happy, right, is uh, produced by gut bacteria. And 70% apparently of our immune system is found in the intestines, according to the American Psychological Association. So 
the idea is if you look at what athletes have in their poop, you can take the, the sort of probiotics, put them in a pill and take it, and you too will be able to perform like an athlete. And apparently it works. But every time I've eaten poo, other people's poo, um, I just always get pink eye. You've heard the expression, eat, shit, and die. Well, this, there's, their little slogan should be, eat, shit, and thrive. Exactly. Jonathan Scheiman. That's good. That's good. Jonathan Scheiman is the inventor. He was going to be an athlete. He didn't get picked for the whatever it was that you get picked for if you're going to be an athlete. So he became a, a, a Harvard research fellow. And oh, he spent an hour. He spent years driving around in a zip car in Harvard, collecting samples from athletes. I don't buy any. of. I think all of this is a bunch of horse shit. I don't believe. I think Fenton has made up all his topics this week. I think so, too. I just don't buy any of it. Killer microwaves, people eating poop, people harvesting athletes poop in Harvard Square. It's all true. And it's all here on the WOW Report. I think we should take one more break. And when we come back, reveal the number one thing this week that made us go, well, what do you think? Nothing. I we? can't wait. I can't wait for everyone to find out who number, number, who number one is. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. We've reached number one, Tom. Number one. For those of you watching, you already know what number one is. But for those of you listening, there was an article in the New York Times that caught my attention a few weeks ago. And it was simply called The Brilliance of Charo. And we have Charo, the legendary Charo is here looking like a million bucks, like 44 billion bucks. Like like like, like Elon Musk would want to buy Charo. She looks so good today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I am pleasant. <laughs> we right. Wonder and Charo have worked together many times in the past on Drag Race. Most recently, our Drag Race movie that Charo and Kim Petras stole stole the movie, stole the movie in just a few moments. And now we are so lucky to be catching up with Charo, who again, the New York Times wrote an article talking about how brilliant a comedian you are, what a brilliant guitarist you are, how how you how so you've been ahead of the of, of the time and the wave, and you've been entertaining forever. And I was like, yeah, I know every word of this, plus the news, because we've loved you for so long, Charo. What are you yes. doing? What what are you up to? Ah, uh, you know, I have ants in my pants. So every morning I wake up, I got to get going, got to get going. What am I going to do? I am extremely honored of the New York Times magazine. I was so lucky. My combat after two years doing nothing and counting cucarachas in my house. <laughs> I was my fellow penny, prime new show at the Mohegan Sun in Hartford, Connecticut. The play was sold out. New costume, I did not put it on one gram of weight. I played it that better than ever because I had two years doing nothing. Yes. I was so lucky. And they were there. And they saw me live performing with the new show. And I was lucky also, standard ovation. So I think deserve that, that every time, my, yes. My lucky day. And then they give a great review. And I am very grateful, very honored. And thank you to talk about it with you. I'm full of projects, because you know me. Every morning, I'm Caprico. And every morning, I have an idea. I have an idea. So yes. I have bumps 
all over my goose just to talk with you about my project. I went to concert around the world and yes. making my new album, more guitar, and also I am into, I love social media. Social media is the best thing ever happened because now, like I'm talking to you, I'm telling you everything you look at, you look like a, the three caballeros, very good looking. <laughs> and I bless, I'm blessed for survive. Mm -hmm. I have an offer to make a movie about my life, but they need to find a bitch. The <laughs> 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 bitch that do me. <laughs> you know, I, I think totally it should be the story of your life starring you, Charo. I think no one could, yeah. I think, you know, you would be perfect. You're, you're ageless. Oh, no. They're looking for an actress. Had to be a little bit bitchy. <laughs> <laughs> Had to play guitar. Who would you, out of like a movie star that we all know, who's the closest? Who would, who would you want to play you in, in, in the story of your life, Charo? I don't think they're going to find another bitch like this. <laughs> I don't know. I'm about to hear about it, but don't accept it yet. It's a big deal. It's international. And they're coming from Spain a week from now to talk to me and see my personality and see if they can find somebody. Cut to me probably Spanish, actress, because people say that I have an accent. <laughs> I think that I was born in Cohasen, Massachusetts, but no, they said that I have an accent. So also, I may accept a documental about the story of my life because you are going to understand me. World of Wonder came from passion, imagination, yes. work, and challenge. I remember when you guys got the building. Yes. Mm -hmm. Would you believe that? I can't believe it. I remember that bull. You had a baby bull, and we put the baby bull in the elevator down to the basement. I, I, <laughs> I, I admire you. I went to you and said, I would like you to start the bullfight in Spain. I am associated with the Peter, animal protection. Together, I need you. I need the world of wonder. I'm going to bring a baby bull. <laughs> and we're going to make an story about enjoy the sport, enjoy the grandeur of the flamenco, paso doble music, torero, but don't kill. Because nobody wants to yeah. see blood mm. anymore. Mm. We are very, yes. it's not me. So, all of you say yes. Randy, Say hello from me. Was a huge success, and no more bullfight. No more bullfight in Catalonia, Madrid. So you did it, not me. No, you did, did it. it, and we 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 have a at the World of Wonder offices, which is you know a four story building. We have oh. a basement with a little green screen stage, and we and Randy and Fenton oh. had just sort of sprung for it, and so it was I brand know. new, bright green, fresh paint. And we, Manolo, so carefully and so lovingly, you brought him, and we brought him down the elevator, and he was walked very carefully, and he went to the green screen, he turned to the camera, and he peed. And he, and it's, the perfect, 
Do the perfect baptism of our of our green screen stage. <laughs> I am so grateful to you that this is a good opportunity to tell you I know you from the beginning because I came to America when my coochie coochie was only a kitschy kitschy. <laughs> and I grow up. I see your dreams. I see your challenge. I was there when RuPaul was beginning to look for the we, his new persona. Yeah. I love him. Mm-hmm. And I am extremely honored to somehow, after so many years, be friends and see your success. It's huge. You're very Sorry. successful. Wow! <laughs> you are an inspiration and a joy and that's like you bring us light and joy and it was so much fun having you in the movie the bitches stole christmas as tom says you stole the scene and you were a trooper you know it was what 1 2 a.m in the morning it was insanely hot we were in the valley the valley was on fire as well and you came out and you i mean always so so professional and so giving and so fun so thank you for i i'm gonna remember that night for the rest of my life it was spectacular it was the last day of the shoot too i remember driving home and it was just get goosebumps magical thank you i love recapping that charo is working on the movie of her life for international production which i love so that there might be a documentary coming which by the way we should talk to you about and the most important thing is you can have a little bit of charo in your life every day following her on instagram at 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 official charge. It'll, it'll change your life. Integral saved my life. Official oh. charo saved my life. Okay? Mm-hmm. Because two, three years ago, I was so down that yeah. impossible to bring from that dark point back again to who I am today. Thank you, all the followers. They saved my life. Oh. Thank you so much for mentioning well, thank you, Charo. You are our number one this week and every week. Every um, week. And thank, thanks for listening for this week of the Wow Report. Previous episodes uh, of Radio Andy Sirius XM or on our YouTube channel, Wow Presents. We'll see you the same time, same place next week. Until then, go out and do something that makes the world go.